0: John's Gospel, chapter 7, and the last sentence of verse 46. Never man speak like this man. Never man speak like this man. I want to speak this morning upon a tremendous theme, the unsurpassed and unsurpassable eloquence of Jesus Christ. The unsurpassed and unsurpassable eloquence of Jesus Christ. Here we have a testimony to the tremendous power of the spoken word. The Lord Jesus Christ is a speaker. The officers of the temple are sent to apprehend him. His preaching is causing a disturbance. To the establishment, the scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priests, are set on their edge because of the impact of the Master's message. And so they call him the secular power, and they command that Christ be arrested, that he be apprehended. That he stand trial before the Sanhedrin, the parliament of the Jews. The officers go to execute the warrant, but they can't do it. They stand dumbfounded as the master continues his message. They seek to stripes forth their hand. But their hands are paralyzed in the presence of the Majestic Christ. And they return with the warrant in their hands and execute. And when they are rebuked by the chief priests for not apprehending the Master, they bear this eloquent testimony to our Lord's eloquence of speech. Never man spake like this man. In preface to this message, let me say it is always a sign of a corrupted church when it depends upon the arm of the law. And this, of course, is a sign of ecumenism and a sign of of corrupted Romanism. Rome has made her way in the world by the power of the sword. Ecclesiastical establishments who have divorced their principles from the word of God depend upon the strength of the secular arm to wear down every voice of opposition that is raised against them. We had an example of this in our Stormont parliament this week. A bill was floated called incitement to hate. Make no mistake about it, this bill is a special bill to deal with the testimony of this church. The prime minister commenting on the bill, he said it was brought in to deal with me. And they made no bones of that. And he made an agreement with the opposition that in spite of all parliamentary procedure that in the early hours of the morning this bill would be hammered through the house and no amendment would be received. And the opposition made it clear that this bill was designed to put this preacher in prison. And they stated it clearly. So here we have the secular power being drawn in to establish and to bolster up the designs of the ecumenical movement. Let me say, as I said on the floor of the house this week, that these designs are bound to fail. They cannot prosper. And time through the years, the enemies of the gospel that the martyr pyres, and gone through the years they designed the torture chambers of the Inquisition. But the names of the Inquisitors are forgotten, but the names of Latimer and Ridley and Cramer and the Reformers shall live on, and anywhere across the globe where men breathe the name of religious freedom. These men shall be known as hearers, heroes of the cross and crusaders of the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. And I, from this pulpit, defy the secular arm in this country to try to stop the preaching of the gospel. The gospel will be preached. Man and woman will be one for Christ. Christ will build his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against The second thing I want you to notice is this, and I haven't started to preach yet. This is just the preface to this sermon. The second thing is this, that Spirit, your always conquers the temporal power. There is such a potency in the Spirit, your world, that it far outshines the potency of the temporal. The things that are seen are temporal, that the things that are unseen, they are eternal. And when I pronounce from this pulpit the great tenets of the gospel and the great fundamentals of the Christian faith, I am handling eternal dynamite. That shall blast down every false foundation and every false bulwark of the enemy, and upon a solid foundation, the impregnable rock of Holy Scripture, there shall arise an edifice unto the Lord Himself, a holy temple that shall not be desecrated by the foot of the enemy, nor will that temple ever crumble into ruins or decay. Let me say that this spiritual is always stronger than the temporal. And so we shall not put our faith in the arm of the flesh. We shall not put our dependence on any man, on any body of man. But our trust this morning is in the Lord of hosts who made he heaven and earth. And the battle is the Lord's and the God of David still ends, the God of Elijah still reigns, and he shall deliver his people. Having pointed out those two very important matters, let us have a look then at three things concerning our Lord's eloquence. We have in this portion of Scripture our Lord's eloquence explained. And I want to examine with you the qualities of the eloquence, the unsurpassed and unsurpassable eloquence of the Savior. Then we have also in this verse an illustration of the Lord's eloquence experience because these men, experience the eloquence of Christ. And it was demonstrated in their attitude how powerful that eloquence was. And then last of all, I want to speak of the Lord's eloquence expected. For there's a day when Jesus shall speak again. And what a day that's going to be when the voice of Christ shall reactle around this globe, and when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign, and we, hallelujah, shall reign with Him. First of all, the Lord's eloquence explains. There are five characteristics of our Lord's eloquence. The first is the characteristic of simplicity. How simple was the speech of Christ? Some people, when they speak, they bamboozle. I heard a sermon once on the resurrection. I never had any doubts about the resurrection until I heard that sermon. But it was so reasoned and so argumentative and it put the theories against the resurrection far more stronger than the truth about the resurrection. That at the end of the sermon, I wondered whether the preacher really had grasped the truth himself. Not so with the preaching of Christ. The Christ preaching was marked with simplicity. His illustrations are superb. He took the flowers of the field. And we will always remember when we see the lily of the valley what Jesus said about it. We'll always remember what He said about the reed shaken in the wind as we think of John the Baptist, the great messenger of the covenant that came to prepare the way for the Master Himself. When we look out over this world and we see... The grim falling into the ground and dying, we shall always be reminded of the illustrations and the parables that the Savior used. His eloquence was marked with simplicity. The wayfaring man, though a fool, shall not err therein. Thank God for the simplicity of that gospel of Jesus Christ, that man is lost, that Christ is mighty to save and mighty to deliver, and that by the power of his blood and by saving faith in his cross, man and woman are redeemed for all eternity. Oh, the simplicity of the Master. I'd love to have been with him. When he spoke the parables of his kingdom, wouldn't you? I'd love to have heard him as grace flowed from his blessed lips. I'd love to have heard him give that discourse on the Sermon on the Mount. I'd love to have been there when he dealt with the great doctrines of the gospel. But thank God by faith we have heard The voice of Jesus. His eloquence is marked by simplicity. Secondly, his eloquence was marked by authority. He spoke as one having authority and not as the scribe. You know, there are some authoritative statements that only are authoritative because of the trappings that surround them. Uh, On Monday, I watched the commission of Her Majesty commission the commons to elect a speaker. I had the great privilege of seeing Hogg on a wool stack and uh, to watch him getting his three-cornered hat off at the proper moment. And every time his name was mentioned to get the hat off and get it back on again. That was authority, authority with the trappings. But there were no trappings about the authority of Christ. His was the inherent authority of his eternal piety linked with his impeccable humanity. His was the authority not of environment, not of surroundings. His was the authority of his own divine majesty and personality. When Jesus spoke, everything obeyed his command. The very storm-tossed billows of the deep lay down at the voice of our Lord's authority. The storm ceased its howling The death There's itself give up its prey when Jesus spoke. His eloquence was marked by authority. His eloquence was marked by fidelity. Christ was a great faithful preacher. I said in the House of Commons when we were debating this incitement to him, I said, I want to read you some verses from Scripture. I want to tell you what the Lord said about the unionist party of his day. And I read Matthew 23, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. I said, do you see them there sitting on the front bench? There they are, the scribes, the Pharisees, the hypocrites. I said if the Lord Jesus was in earth, they would have him up under this bill and they would fine him a thousand pounds and put them away for two years and so they would. And I had no answer. I said if I print the scriptures and apply them, will I be up for incitement under this bill? There's still no answer. Let me tell you this, friend, the Lord Jesus Christ was, eloquence was stamped by fidelity. He was a faithful preacher. How he skimmed those old beetle browed hypocrites and Pharisees. I'd like to have been there when he whipped them out of the temple. My, I'd like to have seen the predecessors of the Alfie Martins and the Jimmy Hares when the Lord Jesus Christ took over the temple. There are some people that have a strange idea of what a gospel preacher should be. To think that he should be a sort of dignified pulpit ornament who should be exquisitely good at tea drinking in some lady's dining room. But there should be no fire in his belly and no power from his lips. That's not the preaching of the gospel. The gospel preacher is stumped by faithfulness. I was greatly encouraged this week before I made my maiden speech in Westminster. I was in one of the lobbies and I sat down in one of the little seats there, not knowing who was behind me. And when I stood up after reading a portion of Scripture and asking the Lord for power and wisdom to go in and make my maiden speech, I turned around and who was and the painting behind me, Old Hugh Latimer preaching the gospel. My, I said Hugh, you, you and me are together. And I'm just as unpopular in this place as you were that day. God, give me the same fire in my soul to preach the same great truths of the everlasting gospel. Brethren, we are treading where the saints have trod. The eloquence of Christ was stamped with fidelity. He was faithful. The Lord helped me to be faithful in my ministry. There's nothing popular about being faithful, friend. You'll walk a lonely pathway. I know that across the way. I'm a sort of political leper among them. I am no man's friend. I'm like old Ishmael. My hands against every man. And every man's hands against mine. But I'm the happiest member of parliament there. Why? Because I have great company I sit with Jesus in my seat He's right beside me He'll look after me And other helpers feel or comforts flee Help of the helpless Oh, abide with me The next thing about our Lord's preaching was charming With all His fidelity There ran through it all real Genuine love. It wasn't this syrupy charity of the academical movement that goes round dearing the people, and then with bitter invective, would denounce those that stand for evangelical truth and righteousness. This charity was the true charity of the heart of Jesus Christ that bled for sinners. And long to lead them from the darkness of their sins into the glorious light of the gospel. And amidst all our contendings, let us love the souls of men and women. Amidst all our faithfulness, let us never forget that men have been deceived by false religions and by false religious worship. And they need to be led to the truth of that holy word that maketh wise. Unto salvation. I was greatly encouraged yesterday in our Bible class outing. A Roman Catholic man came to me. And he said to me, Mr. Paisley, strange to relate, I voted for you. He says, I believe you're honest. He says, I believe you mean what you're doing. This man's in the entertaining world. He said, I'd like you to come and see my place of entertainment. I said, well, I might be able to fit it in. He said, you know, I'd like to open it on the Lord's Day. Well, I said, you open it on the Lord's Day and I'll fight you every bit of the way and the curse of God will come upon you. You know what he said? He said, Mr. Paisley, of that so, he said, I wouldn't attempt it. He said, I'm a Roman Catholic. I don't think the way you think. But if you say that God's curse will fall on me if I open on the Lord's Day, he said, I promise you I'll never even attempt to do such a thing as that. If a man's ways please the Lord, his very enemies will be at peace with him. Let me say to you that Christian love will conquer where everything else feels. And then the last characteristic of our Lord's eloquence was intensity. He was filled with zeal. The zeal of the Lord hath eaten me up. He never flagged in his interest for souls. Do you remember when the disciples went away to buy bread and they were wearied with the journey? The wearied Christ sat down by the well. And when that poor, despised, scarlet sinner came to draw water, when everybody was absent, she was so ashamed of herself that ye came in the noontide, when all were resting and quiet. And the Lord zeal won her to Himself. I had meat to eat, that ye knew not of. The Lord Jesus Christ was filled with zeal. His eloquence was charged with intensity. There was a holy fire burned in every word. And that holy fire burned its way into the very hearts of the hearers. No wonder the common people heard him gladly. These are the characteristics of the unsurpassed and unsurpassable eloquence of Christ. Simplicity, authority, fidelity, charity, and intensity. I haven't time to discuss with you the Lord's eloquence experience. But praise God, there are many here and we have heard His word of pity. We have heard His word of persuasion. We have heard His word of power. We have heard His word of pardon. And we have heard His word of promise. But I want to close this message with the Lord's eloquence expected. If the Lord tarry, Someday you and I will be passing over the river. The cold, dark, swelling Jordan. I'll expect to hear my Lord speak to me at that time. I expect when I go down into the river and the voice of my loved ones can no more be heard. For I'm going out into the great silence. As far as man and woman are concerned, thank God I'll hear the voice of Jesus. I'll expect to hear His voice. And you know what He'll say? He'll say, The waters shall not overflow thee. I am with thee to bear thee up and to carry you safely across. And I will say then, as I have often said before, he will keep me till the river rolls its waters at my feet. Then he'll bear me safely over, where the loved ones I shall meet, the Lord's eloquence expect. Ah, but let me tell you something else. I expect some day to hear the voice of God speak. The great day when Jesus Christ comes again, and all that are in the grave shall hear the voice of the Son of God. What eloquence of this is this that disturbs the sleeping clay and that calls men from the sleep of death into the ages of everlasting life? And, lo, my body, may have been destroyed by the skin worms. Every particle at the command of Christ shall come together. And thank God this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. Then shall be brought about this saying that is written, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is I betray? What a day that will be. I'm expecting to hear the eloquence of the Lord in that day. Ah, but I'm expecting to hear something better than that. When he says, come in to the Father's house. Come in to the great married supper of the Lord. Come in, I have prepared it for you. The mansions are ready. The robes are prepared. The crown of gold, the harp of victory, the palm of authority are yours. My child, I have loved you. I have saved you. I have kept you. I have preserved you. I have brought you home. Come in. What a day that will be. With extended hands, He'll greet us when the sins go marching in. I want to tell you something. I'm looking forward to the day when with my ears I shall first hear the words of Jesus. And all heaven shall sing. Never mind. Speak like this man.